The MLB offseason is officially upon us, and naturally, so are the trade rumors and big money free agency signings. We've had the first batch of awards with Cy Young being given out as Manager of the Year and Rookie of the Year, but we're slowly moving closer to the winter meetings, and that means the biggest moves in baseball are coming. It only feels right to take a look at some of the biggest names that will be on the market this offseason, whether it be free agency or whether it be in the potential trade market. There's already been tons of rumours about a handful of these players, but what I'm going to do today is pick the five biggest players that are expected to move around the league, whether it be in a trade or with a new bumper contract. So let's not waste any time and let's talk baseball. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you may be listening. This is Let's Talk Baseball. I'm your host, Tom Charles, and it's nearly time for the free agency off-season moves. I've decided to look at five players that I expect to move around the league and who are expected to be in the heat of the action moving forward in the winter and try to figure out where they'll end up. Maybe not where I would like them to end up, but where I expect them to eventually end up. There's only one place I want to start, and we're going to leave the main event until the very end, because we all know who the main event of the off-season is, but there's one player that I want to start with that I feel is not going under the radar as such, because everybody knows he's on the market, everybody knows he's a top-quality player, but there's a handful of teams in for him, and there's only one place to start, and that's with a bit of Bellinger, as Cody looks to leave the Cubs and Wrigley behind for new pastures. Now... Cody Bellinger is a is an interesting case because he we went to the Cubs. He almost reinvented his career, reignited his career with a great season in 2023, and that puts him into the market on 2024 for the 2024 season. And there's one team in mind that I think is perfect for Cody Bellinger, and it's a three word team: New York Yankees. I know that may be biased coming from me but I think there's a lot of good reasons as to why Cody Bellinger and the New York Yankees is a really good fit. You look at some of the other teams that are in for him. You look at you know, the, the Cubs, who will be, definitely be looking to retain their, their star player from last season. They're an excellent match. They On paper, they're an excellent match, but also, in reality, they're an excellent match. With Craig Council now turning up, it kind of shifts the direction of the Cubs in more of an upward trajectory. But my reservation with the Cubs, and we'll get onto this later on in the episode, is are they going to be willing to pay the money for Bellinger when there are other players that they are potentially looking for that are better, would cost more money, and they wouldn't want Bellinger's deal to hamper their chances of 
bringing in anybody else. It's a very risky game for the Cubs to play, but if it pays off, it's a, it's a, it's a risk worth taking. So, on one hand, you have the Cubs. On the other hand, you have the San Francisco Giants, who are in desperate need for a star player. They missed out on Carlos Correa. They missed out on Aaron Judge. Cody Bellinger isn't of the caliber of those guys. I love Cody Bellinger. He's one of my favorite players. But he's not Judge. He's not Correa levels. But this is the closest they might get to a superstar player that realistically would join the team. He can. He would fit the park. And I think this is a theme with a lot of these players. He would fit the park he played. He'd fit Oracle. He's got history with the president of baseball operations over in over in San Francisco, Farhan Zaidi, who was with the Dodgers with, when Cody was there. They've replaced their manager. There's a change amongst the team where it feels as if, you know, Gabe Kapler's gone, Bob Melvin's in. There's, they, they want to change a lot of things with the team. They, they, they've been middling for a while, and the in the, the signing of Bellinger would be a real shoot up in the arm, a real kick up the backside for them to give them the bit of the edge to go on and go forward. I think it'd be a great signing for them, but in my heart and in my head, it just it, they sit third in the rankings in terms of teams that I can picture him with. He would suit them because he's a talented player and they need that kind of talent, but. I, I picture him more as a cub, and more as the as the next team, as a New York Yankee. There's signs for Bellinger when it comes to the New York Yankees that just make it seem like a perfect fit. His father Clay played for the team. He won two World Series rings in '99 and 2000. When Bellinger went back to Yankee Stadium in July to play with the the Cubs, he called it a really special place to play. And he said, the Yankees obviously mean a lot to our family. They need a centre fielder. You know, Jason Dominguez is going to be out for a long stretch of time. They need more middle-of-the-order bats. They need left-handed hitters. Because as Bellinger showed in that series in July, his power, his left-handed power, with that right-field short porch, is almost a cheat code. He was fantastic in that series, and he was borderline. You, you just don't pitch to him. You get that in your own ground for however many games that you play there. It just makes perfect sense. This is one of the criticisms I've had of the Yankees in a long time. They have had a bona fide cheat code within their own stadium, and they've ignored it. Left-handed power hitters in Yankee Stadium are... They're overpowered. They're like a 99-rated player on a video game. They, It's perfectly readily made for them to hit bombs in that short porch. Cody Bellinger's not... He's not afraid to do that, you know? He's not going to be looking to hit it the other way. He's, he knows what his direction is going to be, and he knows what he needs to do to get that ball over the wall in the short porch. Yes, it would be a lot of money. The Yankees find themselves in a, in a strange position, akin to what they find themselves in in 20, 
in 2009 when they missed the postseason in 2008 and Hal Steinbrenner and Ryan Cashman just decided that's not going to happen. That's not how the New York Yankees behave. They went out, they they traded, and they signed. You know, Mark Teixeira came in. CeCe Sabathia came in. AJ Burnett came in. They made some smaller moves like Nick Swisher coming in. But this year feels similar to that in the sense of they've just missed the playoffs. There's a lot of question marks around the ownership and the general manager in the front office. They seem to be at loggerheads with each other. It's time to make a big move. The biggest move of them all isn't going to happen. You know, we know who that player is and he's not going to come to Yankee Stadium. It just isn't going to work with the situation they find themselves in. There's another fellow they could trade for that we're going to speak about in a minute. There's another guy that's coming in from Japan who they could sign on a free agency who we're going to speak about in a minute. The easiest move to make, or one of two easiest moves to make, is Cody Bellinger. He feels like the type of guy that would understand what it means to be a Yankee. And the Yankees are one of these teams that have this like aura around them where the history is so important and understanding the team is almost as important as playing well for the team. Aaron Judge gets it. Derek Jeter got it. Alex Rodriguez didn't quite get it. That's why I think in the eyes of a lot of fans, he isn't in the higher echelons of Yankees. DC Sabathia got it. Jorge Posada got it. Some players get it. Some players don't. Cody Bellinger strikes me as the type of guy that would understand what it means to be a Yankee. Garrett Cole gets it. And that's the other that's the third part of this. The Yankees have two of the best players in the league in their ranks. They have the home run king, Aaron Judge, and they have the American League Cy Young winner, Garrett Cole. They're in their primes. You don't want to waste them. You don't want to waste these primes without making a push. You know, if you make the push and you make some big signings and you, at the end of this, say, you know, I don't know, it didn't quite work out, but we made the effort. We brought in some good guys. We made some big trades. It just didn't work out. You hold your hands up and it is what it is. But if you don't make the effort and you waste these guys' time and their prime, in 20, 30 years' time, everyone that lives through this is going to look at it and go, oh, do you remember when we had Judge? Do you remember when we had Cole? And we did nothing with them. Now's the time to make some big moves. That's what the Yankees need to do. Cody Bellinger's number one on their list. He should be in terms of centre fielders, in terms of outfielders, in terms of people that can easily be got and people that can easily improve that, that lineup. He's a left-hander who hits well, he hits with power, and you have a shorter right-field wall. Get it done. It makes so much sense. It just makes a lot of sense for them not to not to do. Where one of the criticisms that is labelled at the team is that they just don't really make the decisions when they need to. How Steinbrenner has shown in the past that he can sign players when he needs to. He did it with Judge. He stepped in and he got the Judge deal over the line. He did it with Garrett Cole. He wasn't afraid to spend the money on the best pitcher in the American League at the time. And strictly speaking, he is now. 
Shanghai Stanton was another trade that Brian Cashman pulled the trigger on. Now, in hindsight, whether you think it was a good move or not, at the time, it was a huge move. Huge move. And they weren't afraid to do it. Maybe this is another off-season where this is the case. Sometimes you just have to eat your words. You just have to eat some cash and just make the moves. Because Bellinger's an option they can have. And we'll move on to our, our second guy of the day, who is also on the Yankees hit list. Japanese phenomenal pitcher, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He's coming to the majors via the posting system, and there are a ton of teams waiting to hear to hear from the pitcher, including the Yankees, including the Mets, including the Dodgers, including the Red Sox. Yeah, according to Jean-Paul Morosi, MLB Network Insider, the Dodgers are amongst the most interested teams. Whereas on Tuesday, Morosi reported that the Yankees are among the most active teams in the starting pitcher market and have Yamamoto and Aaron Nola in their sights. Yamamoto is said to be intrigued by the prestige and iconography of the Yankees. But it isn't going to be as simple as it's the Yankees sign for us. Andy Martino, who reported that he was that reported that Yamamoto was keen on the the history and iconography of the Yankees, reported that the Mets are interested in Yamamoto and are being spurred on by starting pitcher Kodai Senga, who told the club that he wants to be teammates with Yamamoto. Red Sox outfielder Masataka Yoshida was Yamamoto's teammate with the Oryx Buffaloes from the 2017 to 2022 period, and their friendship is one of the reasons why the Boston Red Sox are a candidate to sign Yamamoto. Jeff Passan on ESPN says a list of teams includes San Francisco and Toronto, but will the geography of the West Coast have it over the, the East Coast? Well, apparently he has a bit of a preference for the West Coast. And then another spanner in the works, if you're a Yankees fan, is what Brian Cashman said about Giancarlo Stanton. I have to get the quotes up because they are incredible. This is what uh, Brian Cashman said about... Stanton. We've got to get Stanton up and running again. He's injury prone. We've all lived and known that, but he's never not hit when he's playing. And this year is the first time that's happened. We try to limit the time he's down, but I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not. He's going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not, because it seems to be part of his game. But I know that's when he's right and healthy. Other than this past year, the guy's a great hitter and has been for a long time. Just want to rewind a bit. He's going to get. He's going. He's going to wind up getting hurt again, and more likely than not, because it seems part of his game. Seems incredibly harsh to say about one of your own players. Uh, 
Stanton's agent, Joel Wolf, then replied, I read the context of the entire interview, I think is a good reminder for all free agents, considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the off-season. Now, initially, this looks like a slam just at Stanton, and on the face of it, it is. But what this also means is Josh Wolf is the representative of not only Giancarlo Stanton, amongst other players, but of Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is expected to be in the sights of the Yankees this offseason. Now, personally, I have seen agents quotes across all sports for around 15 to 20 years, and very rarely do they let the comments of one client affect the ability and the outcome of another client because they're very separate situations. But Yankees Twitter have got themselves into a bit of a meltdown, kind of assuming that Cashman's words and his words against Stanton are going to harm the Yankees' chances of signing Yamamoto. Personally, I don't think that matters. I don't think it matters because if you offer this guy a good place to play, a good team, and a lot of money, he's going to take it. That's not saying he's a money chaser. That's not saying he's a money grabber, that he's in it for the cash. He's not. The only way he would accept a lower offer or a lower financial offer, and this goes the same with a lot of other people, is if you're joining a ready-made superstar team. Somebody like the Braves or the Dodgers, for example. Outside of that... I don't think the comments matter. But what we do know about Yamamoto is a lot of teams are enamoured by him. A lot of teams like the look of him. A lot of teams are excited by the sounds of him. And you know, after the success that Shohei Otani had, they don't want to miss out on the next big Japanese pitcher. The only thing I would say is, judging by all the reports that are kicking around, not everybody seems to know where he's going. If he's going everywhere, he's going nowhere. So at the moment, you know, if we're going to try and predict where he's going, I know Brian Cashman went over to Japan to watch him. I know he loves the guy. But I can't see him making two huge off-season moves just after the summer of re-signing Judge. My gut is telling me he's going to be a Met. I can't explain exactly why. But the Mets have a good friend of his in Senga there who wants to be his teammate. They have the makings of a decent team. They have the financial ability to pay him the money he wants. And he's still playing in the big market. Yes, it's not the Yankees. Yes, it's not the Dodgers. But New York Mets are still huge because they're New York. Those two words in front of the name mean so much. So I wouldn't put it past him to be a Met come the start of the season. That's my gut feeling. Simply because I look at it and think, you weigh up the other options of the other teams, the Mets seem quite promising. Up next, player number three. You know, I think player number three, we're going to look at Aaron Nola. Because... Aaron Nola is the type of guy and the type of pitcher 
that given the players that are around, given the players that are being rumoured around at the moment, he's going to slide under the radar ever so slightly. According to The Athletic, rival executives say they wouldn't be surprised to see the bidding for Nola push to a seven-year deal, likely at a higher average annual value than what the Phillies offered last spring. It's reasonable to think Philadelphia sent Nola, who has been with Philadelphia for nine campaigns, an initial offer in the range of six years, $150 million last season. Apparently, the pitcher wanted seven-year extension in the, with north of $200 million as a, as a as a contract. Do you want a list of teams that are interested in him? The Atlanta Braves, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Texas Rangers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and now the New York Yankees, who apparently have him on their list. Now, I'm more than aware that when the Yankees get in these things, it almost boosts the price up a little bit higher. So for this purpose, I don't consider them in the race whatsoever. He'd be a great player for them. He's a great pitcher. But he's not joining the Yankees. Let's make that one clear. If he was to join the Braves, then goodness gracious me. If he was to join the Braves, he then joins this rotation. Aaron Nola, Max Freed, Spencer Strider, boom, there's your big three. There's your big three in Atlanta. How exciting does that sound? I just think, with the Braves... There's a lot of noise around the Braves and some off-season moves. They've been linked to Shohei Otani. I don't see that happening whatsoever. Just because a guy's not going to take a lower offer to join them. He's going to take a lot of big money offer, as we'll get to in a minute. But Aaron Nola would be a huge pickup for them. Because not only is he a fantastic pitcher that would add to their already stacked and brilliant rotation, but it would take him away from a from a National League rival. And that's almost as important as to what he would do to your own team. The thing about the Braves is none of their pitch, none of their players sign long term deals, or none of the players that have signed long term deals have a salary more than twenty two million a year. But the thing with teams like this, the thing with teams that not cheap but are financially not able to spend loads or not willing to spend loads, is that when the offer for the right guy comes around, they normally take it and they're normally willing to go higher. And with the Atlanta Braves and Aaron Nola, I see this as no difference. It's not... The $22 million that these players have signed is not the peak. It's not the ceiling. It's what they have deemed to be fair. In the 2021-22 offseason, the Braves offered Freddie Freeman a higher salary of $28 million annually over a five-year deal. 
Freeman then went to the Dodgers for six years, $27 million. The Braves already have exercised right-hander starter Charlie Morton's $20 million option. They've signed Joe Jimenez to a three-year $26 million contract. Pierce Johnson, the reliever, to a two-year $14 million deal. They still want to add another starter. And when you look at the best starters around, Aaron Nola is, is at the very highest part of this list. Him and Blake Snell. Nola seems a better fit, though. Don't get me wrong. The Phillies are not out of Nola, but... Maybe the Phillies look at it and go, they can go get Blake Snell, add the National League Cy Young to their roster. Maybe for a little bit less money. I don't know about the specifics of that deal. And then allow Nola to go off to the Braves or whoever takes him. I think it's. A, I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye out on, because my gut says my gut says now after reading about this Braves, but you just never know with this damn league. Player number two on the list, the player we mentioned about, and it's the only one that isn't a free agent. Juan Soto. Now. This is a this is a interesting one because Juan Soto is not a free agent, but he is on the trade market. But at what price? This is the question. No one is quite sure just how much it's going to take to bring Juan Soto out of San Diego. There has been noise coming out of San Diego that they want to shift some of the payroll, that they want to remove some of the bigger names, just they earn a ton of money because they want to change things up a little bit. And once, starting with Juan Soto will be the best way to get the most money or the, the, the biggest return out of this investment. If he's not going to re-sign, if they don't want to re-sign him, the best thing to do is to trade him. And they can either trade him now, get him off the books and not have to worry about him, or they can wait until the deadline and see if they can get more out of him. My guess is they wait until the deadline, personally. But... I don't think they have that much of a choice when it comes to Juan Soto other than trading him as quickly as they can to get as much for him as they can. My gut tells me that they will wait it out. My head tells me that if I was running this team that I would look to just get the return in as quickly as possible. It's not going to be a huge haul because people know the situation that the Padres are in. But what I would say is I've seen mock trades online. I've seen people put them together. And let's be honest, is it going to take an awful lot to get this guy out of San Diego? Probably not. It's probably not going to take a lot to get him out of San Diego because, because the Padres want to shed contract. But who is going to take him up on this? Again.
again, as is with every offseason, as is with every big player that's available, the New York Yankees are listed as one of them. But they won't be the only team. Obviously, the Giants will be up there. The Cubs will be up there. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Dodgers are up there, to be honest. Just because they don't miss big, they don't miss big opportunities. According to Jeff Passan, the Padres would want nearly near major league ready starting pitchers back as part of the Soto deal, and he listed the New York Yankees, Chicago Cubs, and Seattle Mariners as teams that could make such an offer. But a lot of people have suggested that the Cubs and the Mariners will not want to part with some of their younger pitchers because they want they want to use them, whereas the Yankees have a. The Yankees have a situation where they have Garrett Cole, they have Carlos Radon, there's, you know, Yamamoto is in their sights, which, and Nesta Cortez is going to be kicking around. Michael King performed quite well towards the back end of last season, which means people like Clark Schmidt are going to be out. There's a, there's a lot of people who would be able to become expendable quite quickly in the New York Yankees system. For Soto. But it's all just about what... About what the Padres want. If the Padres want near Major League ready pitching, then the Yankees are in a good position to do so. Again, it goes back to what we said about Bellinger. They need to make a splash this offseason. They need to make a move that makes people realise that they are serious and they want to win this year. If you were to add Soto and Bellinger to your lineup you then have a left field of Juan Soto a centre field of Cody Bellinger and a right field of Aaron Judge that is a huge improvement on what you already have yes it's going to take a lot of money but it, it, the lineup changes drastically when that happens you then have DJ LeMahieu who wasn't too bad in the second half of the season and looks like he's recovered from his injury you're going to have Gleyber Torres, who's coming into a contract year and was outstanding by all accounts last season, who can add to the lineup. You then have Juan Soto there, Aaron Judge in the four, if you want to hit him in the in that spot, Cody Bellinger. You then have five players, five really good producing players who can change your lineup in an instant. Yes, the bottom end of the lineup probably isn't going to be great. You're probably going to have people like Anthony Volpe, Anthony Rizzo, uh, whoever you decide to play at third base. If you make any other trades, if you sign someone like Kevin Kiermaier, your DH and Giancarlo Stanton, they've got a new hitting coach, so God knows what they're going to be like. It just Those two moves change the trajectory of that team. You know, Jose Trevino might be coming back, but you've also got Austin Wells there, who wasn't a great hitter, but with a new hitting coach and a new hitting system, who knows? Maybe I'm being overly positive. Maybe I'm over-speculating on a move that I don't truly believe will happen. At the end of the day, all I think is, if you are the New York Yankees and this is the option that you are given, then you take it with both hands. You do not let this go. It just makes sense. However... 
where do I think Juan Soto will be come the start of the season? On opening day, that guy is going to be a Padre. They're going to wait this one out. They know they don't need to get rid immediately. They know that they can hold on until the deadline and they can wait for challengers to come in. Because if you're if you're a team with postseason hopes, if you're the Astros come the end of the deadline, if you're the end of August and you want that extra piece, that's the guy. You then become a team that the Padres want to deal with who maybe aren't in the hunt at the moment, who want to get rid of some pitchers for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You never know. I think he stays in San Diego. For now, anyway. The final player, of course, he's the main event. Shohei Otani. Where's this guy going? Everybody seems to be linked with him. Everybody seems to be want want a piece of him. So let's let's try and figure out exactly where he's going to go. Because right now, no one has a clue. The odds right now have two teams clear favourites for him. The Los Angeles Dodgers and the Chicago Cubs. And I tweeted last night that whilst I'll be stunned if he isn't a Dodger come the start of the season, there's something special about him being a Cub. I'm not a Cubs fan. You know, I'm insp- I admire their story. I admire what their fans have been through over the years. And 2016 was an incredible year. But for Shohei Otani's legacy, let's say hypothetically he wins the World Series in Chicago. He becomes the star player in a World Series winning Chicago Cubs team who have decided to change their manager in the hunt to go for it. They missed out on Cody Bellinger, but they brought in Shohei Otani anyway. That would be fantastic as a neutral. You know, he could have gone to Los Angeles. He could have gone to the big cities. He could have gone to the Dodgers. He could have been with stars. He could have been another star in a star-studded lineup in the Dodgers stadium, you know? But he decided to go to Wrigley, this historic you know, relic, the historical monument of baseball. And he took the challenge and he won the World Series with a team that, as everybody knows, is not a fashionable winner, is not a winner at all. And he did it that way. That is a story ending to a career. If he was to do 10 years, however many millions. But we all know it doesn't work as easily as that. Right now, you're signing him as a DH with the potential of him coming back as the pitcher he once was after his second surgery. But there's a lot of interest around him, obviously, and a lot of people are going to want a piece of him, but they're also going to want a piece of him to stay quiet. What I mean is, They're not going to want to ruin their chances of getting him. You know, he's rejected a qualifying offer from the Angels. Everybody knows that publicly. But he's not spoken... As far as anybody knows, he's not spoken to anybody. He's not had any meetings. You know, on CBSSports.com, they have him listed as 10 years, 500 million. Over the summer, everybody expects him to get over, over 500 million. 
some people doesn't don't think the injury to his elbow will change the length and value of his contract. I think it will. I think it will. Because you're you you in July you're paying for a two way player. In December you're playing for a D you're paying for a DH. That's the difference. So I think, you know, the main event himself, the best the most talented player this league has ever seen. One of the most incredible athletes I've ever seen, and a pure phenomenon, is in the league. Of course, the Yankees are mentioned. Of course, the Giants are mentioned. The Mariners have a mention in there. The Braves have been mentioned. The Rangers have had their odds boosted. The Mets have had their odds boosted. But it seems that there are two teams at the front of this. The Los Angeles Dodgers and the Chicago Cubs. There isn't an awful lot of information about which way Shohei would want to go. Does he want to play, play for a winner? Does he want to play on the West Coast? Does he want to play on the East? Is geography not a case for him? Financially, what does it matter? Does he want loads of money, or does he just want to play for a team that wins? Who knows? Nobody really knows other than Shohei and his agents. But I've said this all season, and nothing has happened to change how I think about it. Shohei Tani, I believe, will be a Los Angeles Dodger on opening day. Just because it makes so much sense. I can just picture it now. The billboards in Los Angeles and California with Shohei in the middle, flanked by Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, just makes perfect sense. It then becomes a place you need to go and watch baseball. Because one of them on the team is special. Two of them on the team is extraordinary. Three of them on the team, as well as re-signing Clayton Kershaw, as well as Walker Bueller coming back. He's got the making, he's got the making of a title-winning team. But we'll wait to see what happens. I think he'll be a Dodger, but I'd love to see him be a Cub. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Baseball. It's been five players I've just rambled on about. It's far longer than I expected it to. But I've had a really good time talking about this. I hope everybody's enjoyed listening to this. You know, as always, download the show, rate the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. The off-season pieces are going to keep going. The, 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 the off-season changes drastically, seemingly every day. So we have to keep on top of all of this. I've been your host, Tom Skulls. Thank you for listening to Export Baseball. I haven't figured out what song's going to play us out just yet, but if you're listening to this and you've got this far, you know what song's playing us out. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.